I'm so excited about today's episode. It's weird and obscure and something I've been wanting to share with the world since I first learned about it 24 or 25 years ago. The setup? My son Julian was a baby and he was quite the light sleeper. The kind of kid that if you were rocking him and he fell asleep, you thought twice about putting him down on his futon because chances were he'd wake right back up. I don't remember it being too big of a deal for me, but for some reason or another, that really stood out to my mother-in-law. Cue the day she told me his kanomushi ga tsuyoi, which I had no idea what she was talking about. I understood mushi, which usually means bug, and tsuyoi means strong. Kanomushi ga tsuyoi. Again, this was pre-internet, so I just had her explanation and my very meager understanding of Japanese to try to piece this puzzle together. What I gathered was that there was some kind of worm that lived inside my son that wouldn't allow him to sleep soundly. She explained that children who cry a lot, especially at night, who can't calm down, or who throw tantrums, all have this kanomushi thing. She kept rubbing circles on the palm of her hand and said the worm needed to come out. She even bought me some strange medicine that she wanted me to give him. But when I asked her what was in it, she couldn't really explain. Or maybe I couldn't really understand. I'm sure you can imagine my utter horror and confusion. A worm lived inside my kid? Well, this dismay lasted quite a few years. But now, thanks to the invention of the internet and my Japanese having gotten a little bit better, I now know what she was talking about. And today, I'm going to tell you everything I've learned and heard. So you too can have your mind blown by these dorky-looking parasites that are living in your children. Uncanny Japan is author me, Teresa Matsura, exploring all that is weird from old Japan. Strange superstitions and old wives' tales. Cultural oddities and interesting language quirks. These are little treasures I dig up while doing research for my writing and I want to share them with you here on Uncanny Japan. I hope you like the show. Hey, hey, how are y'all doing today? Very well, I hope. I want to start by thanking everyone who listened to, subscribed to, and even reviewed the new Soothing Stories podcast. I've been so nervous about it, but you have helped calm my anxious mind with your kindness and have got me very excited about future episodes and stories. The newest episode should be up soon, should be up already, I'm not sure, it depends on when this comes out, but it's going to be Sandwall's Paper Doors. It's a remastered mix, so you've probably heard it here, but it sounds a whole lot better if you'd like to give that a listen. After that, I'm going to read The Yellow Wallpaper, another sweet horror piece to put you to sleep And don't think the irony of our new podcast name and the stories I'm drawn to is lost on me. I kind of find it hilarious, actually. Okay, on to today's show and the microscopic bugs. I've seen kanomushi, 
also called kanmushi, translated as a disease-causing bug. That sounds about right, but let's look at the kanji. Mushi, we know, is bug or insect. Kan, however, is a character that refers to, and I'm quoting here, a type of pediatric illness characterized by malnutrition due to digestive problems or parasites. That character, Kan, is the one used these days. It used to be different, though. Let's go back almost 500 years and look at the medical text called Harikikigaki, which is probably the funnest word in Japanese to say, Harikikigaki. Anyway, here you won't only find various diseases and how to cure them with acupuncture or herbal medicine. You'll also find, I'm convinced, where all those wacky Ultraman and common Rider villains come from. The illustrations are absolutely adorable. I'd venture to guess that nowhere is there a cuter medical document explaining the horrors of parasites. Of all the different disease-causing bugs from the Harikikigaki, most have been forgotten over time. All except one, the Kanomushi. But one big difference I noticed is that the character for Kan is different. Back then, they used the kanji for liver, so it was a liver bug. A Kanomushi is a tiny wormy thing that takes up residence inside a person's spine. Back in the day, it might have affected anyone at all, but more recently, when you talk about kanomushi or kanmushi, it's specifically about children. It's kind of a catch-all for what's wrong with your child. They're not hungry or wet, they're not too hot or too cold, and yet they're being very fussy or moody, they're being hyperactive. They might have mysterious stomach aches or cry all night. Even tantrums. You name it, if you don't know what it is, the kanomushi might be the culprit. But as the Harikikigaki text states, you can't treat a baby or a child with acupuncture. It's too harsh for their little bodies. So there were other ways to drive out this offending, albeit kawaii, bug and I'll get to those in a minute. But first, I'm not saying every Japanese person you meet will know about this phenomena. They won't. The younger the person you're talking to is, the less likely they'll have heard of it. However, remember last week we talked about Koshin Shinko, the ritual held every 60 days, where you stay up all night long? Well, Kanomushi is quite a bit more well-known than that. I've randomly asked my friends about it, and most of them do know about it. They've heard of it, or they were actually told that when they were a child, they had it. Their kanomushi was tsuyoi, or strong. But they're fuzzy on the details. Now let me back up 20-something years again to my mother-in-law trying to teach me about this diagnosis she's just made, and how to cure it. As I understood it at the time, she was saying that there was a ritual to draw out this thin worm. If we did that, then no more random crying, and his baby balance would be restored. 
The ritual involved visiting someone who is skilled at this, paying some money, and then something about using a brush and ink and chanting, and then the bug comes out. Needless to say, I wasn't up for that. She did end up buying me some medicine, and she said that would also help. And more on that in a second, too. I now know, though, that there are different types of rituals used to expel these dastardly bugs. Because, yes, you can have more than one inside you at a time. And since you can't use acupuncture, as we know, on a child, there are a bunch of non-invasive tools that are used and just kind of rubbed over the skin, along with the chanting. I've also seen someone use salt, where the salt is rubbed in the hands and held in the palms, and somehow that magically (laughs) removes the bugs. But I was most surprised to find a technique that sounds exactly like what my mother-in-law had told me. Here, the person performing the ritual takes an ink stick and grinds some thin ink. Then, with a calligraphy brush, they paint a small coin-sized dot on the toddler's or the baby's palm. They continue to make this circle with the brush while they recite a Buddhist sutra, or okyo. The person who was explaining this said that any okyo would do, any Buddhist sutra would do, it didn't matter. This goes on and on, circling, circling, chanting, chanting. And after a little while, you'll see these very fine thread-like things come out of the hand, usually around the fingers. Now, I've only seen this on YouTube and in photos, and it's weird, like really weird. But anyway, as the story goes, that once these hair-like parasites have fled the child's body, they'll return to being a sweet little kid again. So how do you know if your baby or toddler has a kanomushi? Other than fits of crying, tantrums, or fussiness, what are the other symptoms? I actually found a list. So here we go. Your child could have a pale complexion, blue streaks or fret lines between their eyebrows, The whites of their eyes could have a bluish tint. The bottom of their noses could turn red. The area around their lips is yellowish or blackish. The area around their belly button is sore. And my favorite, their hair could be standing up on end. If you don't have someone around who can do the ritual, you can always get the medicine. One that is quite popular is called Uzuku Meigan, which I learned from their website has been around for more than 400 years. I always wondered what was in that little vial my mother-in-law gave me. It looked cool. It was tiny, like the bottle was half the size of my pinky finger. And it was filled with these really, really tiny, shiny beads. I was supposed to give him one a day. Instead, I ate a couple, they were very bitter, and I'm not sure what came of that. To this day, they still sell over-the-counter medicines for kanomushi. So I decided to see if I could find out what was in those incredibly tiny pills. The Uzuku Meigan website was very kind and gave a listing and a description of all the herbs, spices, and eyebrow-raising ingredients. 
So remember, this is a 400-year-old recipe that's still being made today. So here we go. The first ingredient is ginseng. That's fine. Musk. Something called oren, which is a wild grass called Japanese gold thread. And kanzo. The characters for this are sweet grass. It's an herb from the licorice family. I've actually had this quite a bit throughout the years. It's said to help relieve sore throats and stomach pain. Okay, so up till there, we're pretty fine. Then comes something called go or bezor. Bezor depends. There's different pronunciations I found. Let me tell you what a bezor is, in case you don't know. And this is going to get weird. <laughs> bezor is a Persian word that means antidote, and it was thought to be a universal antidote against all poisons. But what is it? First, you take a ruminating animal, in this case a cow, and that cow happens to eat hair. I told you this is going to get weird. And that hair stays in its stomach for years and years until it becomes this hardened mass. Then after the cow has died, you examine its stomach contents and you retrieve the bezor. It looks like this was considered quite magical, not just in the East, but in the West as well. So that's used. Next, you have a yuton. I actually didn't have to really look into this much because the characters say it all. They're easy to understand and a little distressing. A yuton is a bare gallbladder. And last, you have a leyokaku, which is the dried antler of these two type of antelopes that live in northern China and Mongolia. The sad thing is they're kind of going extinct and regulated by the Washington Convention, so that's what that is. If your little one is fussy and you can't for the life of you figure out why, he or she might just have a kanomushi. Now I'm going to leave you with a tiny warning. You can, if you'd like, do an image search for kanomushi. It works in English too. And you might see the incredibly cute drawings from the Hari Kikigaki. You'll also see photos of tiny little children's hands with these freaky thread-like things coming out. And yes, I'm getting a little queasy too. But just remember that if you're particularly unlucky, remember this is considered a parasite and there are some other things that might pop up. I'm going to put only the cute images up on Uncanny Japan on the website along with all the kanji characters and the transcripts. So consider that your study and your safe search. So that's all for today. But before I go, I wanted to mention that Richard and I are going to try something new and interesting. Since starting the Soothing Stories podcast and all my writing projects, and him working on the Japan Distilled podcast as well as everything he's got on his plate, we're going to start tracking our time spent on various ventures. From researching to writing, recording, editing, doing the sound, music, final edits, blog posts, and getting it all tied up with a bow and into your ears. So if you're as curious as I am, we're going to be giving the numbers for how many hours it actually took to make one of these shows. 
So stay tuned for that. Thank you very much for listening and for all your support by listening, subscribing, reviewing, or supporting on Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, I'm going to go downstairs now and finish writing this fun folklore piece I found about Mount Fuji. I'm going to put it up for the bedtime story for all the $5 and up patrons. Please, everyone, stay safe and well and as much as possible out of incremental weather. I will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye. You've just reached the end of another episode of Uncanny Japan. Perhaps you'd like more. A monthly folktale translated and retold by me. The occasional binarily mic'd soundscape like the ones you hear on the show. Or recipes, behind-the-curtain episodes, homemade postcards, and more. If you're interested in that or supporting the show in any way, please search for Uncanny Japan and Patreon. We've got a wonderful group over there. Thank you again for listening, supporting, reviewing, and telling your friends about the show. My name is Teresa Matsura, and I will talk to you again soon.